We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the emails. Just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Brooke Yoakum. At 19... Brooke has already been at the helm of her company, Gift Pocket, for seven years. Brooke comes from a family of entrepreneurs, yet when her mother first proposed the idea that she join the Young Entrepreneurs Academy, she balked at it. But she agreed to try it out and found she loved it. It was at the academy that Brooke came up with the idea for Gift Pocket as a solution to a problem she had, which was that her grandfather kept giving her gift cards to stores she just didn't want to go to. That's pretty funny. The app she created enables users to store gift cards digitally and to exchange them for ones from different stores. The app also solves the common problem of people losing gift cards. Brooke sees her company as innovating in an industry that has long been stagnant and helping companies actually build revenue. Brooke continues to run her company as she attends college, where she's learning skills in finance and computers, as well as building an invaluable network. She talks about balancing being the CEO with being a college student, the frustrations of working with funders, and how she sees everyone who comes to work with her as a potential collaborator and making her company even better. Now, let's get better together. Brooke Yoakum, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited to have you. I mean, I'm, I'm an excitable guy generally, but boy, talk about like entrepreneur from the get-go. You started your company, Gift Pocket, like when you were 12. <laughs> <laughs> Most people when they're 12, and I have my fiance's daughter's 12, 
are not thinking about starting a tech company. Although she is very much like, so Jari, how can I make money? Can I be your assistant? <laughs> you know, you, you know, she wants to try to get, make be a publicist for me, which is really sweet in one sense, but it's super funny because I'm like, you know, I do this for a living, right? She's like, yeah, but you need to be your own, you know, you need someone to publicize you. And I'm all, well, at least she's hustling a little bit. So um, really cool, get this gift pocket idea, which we're going to explore and dig into because I really, really loved what you guys are doing. Your website is like that landing page is just super clean and just, I'm just, we'll talk more about that. But before we do that, why don't you uh, let everyone know how you got to do what you're doing today, which is, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> yeah. I think the first thing that I would start off by saying kind of what you're saying is like, I didn't like see myself ever like creating a tech startup. I think every business really just starts with a problem. And my problem was like every single Christmas, my grandfather would be giving me gift cards to stores for 30 year old women. And I was like, grandpa, it's like not that hard. Like all I want is a target gift card. Like every, <laughs> like it was like the running, it was the running joke. Like every Christmas I'd be so excited. He hands me my envelope and there was still a gift card for a 30 year old woman. I was like, that's, I want target. And my mom would never buy it off me. And then I would always like lose my gift cards and never have them with me. And luckily around the same time, I participated in the Young Entrepreneurs Academy and they were like, what's a problem you think you can solve? And I was like, I'm solving this gift card problems problem. I had no idea what computer science was. I thought apps were made in days. Like this is when Instagram was starting to be big. I was like, ooh, apps. And I was like, oh my God, the gift cards on my phone, I'm going to solve it and inspire gift pocket. Transform the way that people use your gift cards. Put all your gift cards on your phone. Pay with them in stores. Exchange gift cards you don't like for ones you do. And now you can send gift cards. But like I said before, it's really just started as a problem. Like, did I know I was making a fintech app when I was 12 years old? No, I didn't even know fin the word fintech was a word. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's funny because I mean, right now you're 19, you're going to Boston College, right? Yes, I'm at Boston College. Yeah, you're a sophomore at Boston College. So, there's mo- more people, there's most people that are listening to this that are like, ah, I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't really know if I can do it. And literally, like from when you were 12 to when you're 19, you're running a fintech startup. Like, my guess is you didn't have any fintech experience. <laughs> Oh, no, I didn't realize. I think I don't think anyone, especially as an entrepreneur, doesn't realize what exactly they're signing up for. I think they just have a passion and they're like, I'm going to solve it. But they're like, oh, wait, there's this hurdle I have to get over. There's this hurdle I have to get over. And you're like, and I don't think anyone would sign up if they realized that in the beginning. But I think I'm now I'm like glad I went through all of it. But it was like, wow, I thought apps were made in days. And that is far, far from the truth. Well, I mean, nowadays you can, you know, with no code and, you know, some of these hackathons, you can put, put an MVP together in days, but yeah, back in the day for you seven years ago when, you know, Instagram was just starting and TikTok wasn't even there. I mean, the world just moves so fast. It's just so insane. It's just amazing. So, wow, I got, I got to unpack all this. This is just blows my mind because one of the things I do with some of my clients is we teach kids in middle school and high school entrepreneurship through, through something called Founders Camp. And there's, there's always a couple of middle schoolers, right? But, you know, it's like, eh, they're just, you know, trying to see what's going on. And you, 
I'm blown away, man. This is awesome. You just decided, well, you know, I'm just going to solve my problem, which is the ultimate. This is what every entrepreneur clearly, I think, when you have a passion for it, right? Just like, gosh, what a simple problem to solve, yet no one solved it. Like, what was up with that? I think people, um, you know, have tried to solve it in a way, but no one is like realizing the biggest problem here. And that's people losing and forgetting their gift cards and people don't like gift cards, but who received the most amount of gift cards? It's teenagers and college students. And I think by me solving it for my demographic is really helpful that no one else can really understand other than who's a part of that target demographic. Oh, that's a great point. I didn't think of that. Good. That's actually very insightful. It's like, I have a problem. <clears throat> this is a common problem among the people like me. And I need to take my approach to it. Like from my perspective, what is going to be the best solution for my people, like my tribe. Right. And clearly if your grandpa, <laughs> thanks grandpa for keep keeping on with the joke here. <laughs> oh yeah. Here's yeah. your, here's your, I don't even know what, what kind of gift cards would he give you for that are for 30 year old women. Like. It was like Banana Republic and like ex- <laughs> Express, which is like, like, I like, like, I, Banana Republic, like, I guess like I could buy a suit there now, like if I had a really big business event and like, I do shop at Express now, but like, this is when I was like 12 and like, everyone was like wearing the same outfits and like, everyone wanted like an Abercrombie outfit and like, that's all I wanted or like Lululemon was starting to be big. Like, I don't know. I just like, didn't like. I was too young for Express, especially, or it yeah. felt like that. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I was still into Justice or something <laughs> like that. Like, I felt so young. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole Target thing, like, you know, my fiance's daughter loves Target. Target's like one of her favorite places in the world. Oh my God, we got to go to Target. We just were there a couple of days ago buying her shoes. And yeah, it's like, it's a different, it's interesting. God, just so, it's so fascinating because this is the, perfect example of scratching your own. We always talk about this as entrepreneurs, like scratch your own itch, solve your own problem, figure out this thing that someone else has to have this problem on. And so how did you validate that, you know, gift pocket was a good idea? I mean, even back then, like seven, seven years ago, apps were tough, still tough to do. I mean, they're still tough to do, as you said. But I mean, not a lot of kids, not a lot of kids had phones, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Like you have to enlighten me on the validation of this awesome idea. Definitely. I think there's definitely came like a lot of different validation points. And uh, shockingly, like I know it sounds like weird, but like all of my friends did have phones then, but it was like either like a very it was like a iPhone 4 or I like super old phone. But I didn't really actually tell anyone about my idea at first because. I really wanted to, you know, I was in the Young Entrepreneurs Academy and I really wanted to build out the business plan, really think it through before I would talk to people. And then I started talking to people. And then I realized that like, oh my gosh, like the whole point of a business is to not just solve it for you, but to solve it for your peers and people that face the problem. And if they don't like the product, then that's really bad. So I did focus groups. But it wasn't until I um, won the, um, the regional competition for Young Entrepreneurs Academy. And then like it hit me. I was like, oh, wait, like this is a real problem that needs to be solved. And I think sometimes as like an entrepreneur, you get just so focused and on yourself like that. You just like 
don't even like think about external factors. And then once you kind of get that validation or when you don't get that validation, it's almost like shocking. Cause you're like, Oh wait, like there's a really like, it's, I think you realize the problems beyond you. And when you realize it's bigger than just you, it's, it's kind of like a weird experience. Yeah. It's almost like you're having an out of body experience. It's like this, this idea is bigger than me. You know, I think that's one of the, once you find an idea bigger than you, I think that's the, that's the golden goose, right? That's like, wow, this is really going to go somewhere. And, you know, gift cards is a very fascinating marketplace because there's a lot of money in gift cards. So yeah, the gift card industry is a very wild industry. It's going to be about like 220 billion in like 2023. But the really crazy thing is how much digital gift card sales are growing. Digital gift card sales grew by 114% from Q3 of 2019 to Q3 of 2020. And obviously that's due to the impact of COVID, but really just shows the growth in digital payments. But there's a really big issue for brands because brands are not allowed to know who their gift card holders are. And they miss out on $3 billion worth of revenue every year because people don't spend their gift cards. And so right now we're creating a solution to help brands with that. But the gift card industry is so big, but there's a lot of um, problems within it because of how big it is and the legalities around gift cards and how uninnovative it is. It's a very stagnant and very um, just kind of old population of people that work in the gift card industry. And gift cards are such a unique currency that literally are such a loyal shopper. I When I go into a store with a gift card, I... And so like I shop more, I buy more. And I think there's such this unique opportunity with gift cards, but because of who is in the gift card industry, they aren't willing to take a a creative edge and innovate within it. And that's why I'm excited to be a part of it because I, I want to help change that. They they don't know. uh, Can you explain that a little bit more? They don't know who, who they, who the gift cards are going to. What's the, I don't know. Boy, I've never heard that. So gift cards are kind of like, think about like an accounts receivable. So like you buy um, a $25 gift card, but you've not gotten any exchange of goods or services through that purchase of a gift card until you've taken it to that store or shopped online and got something in return for it. And so due to achievement laws, brands are not allowed to know who their gift card holders are. So on their balance sheet, they'll say like they have like $10 million in unused gift cards. And when someone spends a gift card, on average, they'll spend $59 more than the value of that gift card. So brands are missing out on $3 billion worth of revenue, plus that additional revenue that they could get from the overspending. Wow. I never thought yeah. about it that. It's like almost like a, one of those old bearer bonds. I mean, you probably don't know what a bearer bond is. <laughs> Maybe they don't even teach <laughs> that in school anymore. But it used to be this bearer bond was like good as gold, right? Like it was like, oh, you showed up and you got stock in a company or whatever. They don't do them anymore because they're super, like people would do nefarious shit with them. You could travel all over the world and these things were worth millions of dollars and governments didn't like that. Yeah, it was back in the day when things were a little bit more, you know, wild west, although they seem wild west (laughs) more and more today Mm -hmm. too. So, I mean, I'm just... How did you get the entrepreneur bug then? I mean, was it just this or is your family entrepreneurs? I mean, this is like, you're pretty unique. Like you're a unique uniform, unicorn snowflake type person when it comes to this. Thank no you. offense. This isn't, this isn't like, I'm not being, you know, like truly 
tell me a little bit about the family and how, how this kind of like grew out. Cause I will cool. definitely say, um, right now I'm taking an entrepreneurship class and I always believe that entrepreneurs are born. I think a small percentage of entrepreneurs can be taught to be an entrepreneur, but I think of the majority are born. And I, I believe I was because not only are my, both my parents entrepreneurs, my grandfather's an entrepreneur, my uncle's an entrepreneur, but I just think like that I was born with the entrepreneurial spirit. When I was five years old, I wanted to have a lemonade stand, but I wasn't living on the busiest street. So I made sure it was on the busiest street. I passed out flyers in my community. I made sure there was brownies. I picked the hottest day of the year. I just did certain things that like, I don't even know how I thought of it. I don't know. Maybe it was the money that was driving me or like, I was like, Oh, I can have more money for candy. But I think, (laughs) I think that like those small things, like I went to camp when I was like eight or nine years old. And they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I literally have no idea, but I literally said an entrepreneur. And I didn't even know what that meant. Really. I just like, remember my, my, my mom being one, my dad being one, I wanted to be one. And I think there's small things that you can just, I think certain people are meant to be entrepreneurs, meant to be leaders. And I think certain people are not because their skills are not meant for that, but they can excel elsewhere. And so I think I just was born that way. And I don't know how, like, I just, I, cause like my brothers are not like that. I don't know. Really? What do they do? I I think my, um, my brother, like, he's like, Oh, I want to own my own, like, financial planning or own his own business but I'm like I love my brother but he there's so much pressure that comes with being an entrepreneur and if you can't handle all that pressure and anxiety how like and I see how he handles some of his sports and school I'm like dude wait wait till there's like real money and real people's (laughs) lives on the line and then come back to me yeah that's true that's true no totally yeah it's so interesting because yeah, I've got two other brothers. They're both working government, not entrepreneurial at all. My dad wasn't entrepreneurial. My mom certainly wasn't. But I got a degree in electrical engineering because my dad was an engineer, right? So the family business was for them like engineering. But my other two brothers decided, ah, I'm not going to do this engineering thing. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's definitely in terms of like the environment you're in can really be a very you know critical because I know for me. I mean, I grew up in Silicon Valley, right? It was the 90s. Lucky you. Yeah, well, it was the 90s <laughs> when I, I graduated college in the 90s, the mid-90s. And it's like, why would I not go to a startup, right? But it's because I'm here, you know, and, and you with your family, like you had these kind of role models and these mentors. So what are some of the things that you think that, the, you know, that, that you found that was really good to sort of put you on the on the on the map, not well, on the path to being an entrepreneur. I mean, you mentioned you're sort of born into it, but I mean, there's got to be certain things that were just like, gosh, if I didn't get pushed this way or that way, kind of zig and zag, might not have, might have chosen a different path. Well, I actually think this is really funny. So, um, how I got involved in the Young Entrepreneurs Academy. So, my mom is in NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners, and they talked about the Young Entrepreneurs Academy at the event. My mom's like, you have to do this program. You have to do this program. This is perfect for you. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, I, you're, I, this is so weird. Like, I know it's not. It's like, I'm forcing you to go to the educational session. And I went and like, I loved it. And I was like, I was like, mom, you're right. Like, I, I'm glad I went. And then like, I, I <laughs> Thanks, interviewed <mom. laughs> and I got in. Yeah. And I was like, I think 
I think honestly, sometimes like you need like a parent in your life or someone who believes in you because sometimes like I don't like believe in myself because I just think like, I know I feel like sometimes culture like makes you doubt yourself or like just not oh, think yeah. you're good enough. Yeah. And so I think having like a parent in a way that like, isn't like overbearing and makes you like, feel like you're too like crazy good, but like, can be like, come on, like you should try this. Like, I think this could be good for you. Like at least go. And I think by having like parents who want to see you excel and want to put you in like a unique situation. Cause like, don't get me wrong. Like I did soccer all my life. I'd love soccer, but like, I, I like soccer wasn't going to be my future. And yeah. so like put me in a, like, I needed something else to really find out what, where I was meant to be and what my passion was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I played soccer for my whole childhood and even in high school. And it was pretty clear this is not going to continue on into college. Like, you know, I love the sport. Of course, my grandfather was from Holland. So it was like the beautiful game for him. Like, oh, you got to learn. <laughs> and he was a doctor. Yeah, oh, you got to be a doctor too. But that just wasn't for me. But you're right. I really love that, that insight of sometimes you just got to try stuff because you never know what is going to be your thing. And I think that's the opportunity that, that all kids and young adults need to have. Like, try some stuff. Like, it's, it, it's not set in stone, right? Like, you don't, like, just because you go to an entrepreneur camp doesn't mean you're going to be an entrepreneur. Just because you go to a soccer camp or, a, you know, a coding camp. Like, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to try all these things. I mean, you're young. Like, you, the pressure, I mean, I don't know about, you know, the pressure nowadays because it seems like everything is, like, super hyper-competitive. Like, you know, back when I was a kid they just let us free range out in the world and whatever, you know, you all just come back when the, when the lights come on, like it was a different time, you know, Gen X is just a different world. Um, But nowadays it seems like there's a lot of pressure to like do all these things and hyper achieve yet. It sounds like it's just a beautiful thing to be like, just try it, see what happens. Like I love that um, mentality because more people just need to try stuff. If you don't like it, then stop. You know, I think that's a, a beautiful thing. And so how come you're in college? I'm just like, you run your own company. Like you could probably teach some of these classes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, the nice thing is BC is a liberal arts school. So I'm like getting a business degree plus all that. But also sometimes I'm like, why am I getting, I need like only business degree. Right. But um, I think the biggest advantage for me is who was my target demographic teenagers and college students. Right. Like I literally am on a college. I can take advantage of all this opportunity and to meet new people. And I feel like there is part of me that still feels like I'm, I need to learn. Like I, that's what I'm majoring in finance, computer science. Oh, so I really cool. want to learn how to do like more financial analysis. And yeah. I really want to like um, ex- get really good computer science skills. And so I decided to major in that, but I will always say that I'm going, I'm working on gift pocket and going to college on the side and uh, (laughs) yeah. College is your side hustle. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And so I like, um, like, I mean, like I don't, I, my, my whole philosophy on like grades and stuff is like, you need to have like decent, good grades, but like a GPA and number does never, never defines you. And I feel like not, not trying to be rude. There's definitely super smart people, but usually the people that I've met at least that have 4.0s are the ones that aren't meeting new people, aren't doing anything on their side and only have school. And if I walked out of college and only my only thing on my resume was, I just went to college, was not involved, wasn't working hard on my own app. I feel like that's like that. I feel like that's a waste of four years. And so I think I'm taking advantage. Will I drop out? Um, I maybe, I don't know. 
I think I want to see how gift pocket goes and then decide, but I don't know. I feel like, like kind of like what you're saying, like there, there's so much pressure to go to college, get a job. And I feel like that like pressure to go to college, like, I, but I've also heard a lot of people like, what are you doing? Like drop out. And so, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a good, I mean, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think you have the right attitude about this. And I'll, I'll tell you that, you know, when I went to school, I also worked because <clears throat> I had to pay for college. So got a degree in electrical engineering and then had a side job, like had to just to pay for stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that the working and going to school gave you a very good perspective on the, on the balance of what you wanted to do. So if I wasn't learning something that was going to move me forward, I'm like, why am I taking this class when I could be taking another class that's going to actually enhance my skill set and my, what I call, and also what um, Scott Adam calls your talent stack. Like you want to build all these talents so that when you can take advantage of opportunities. So being in finance and computer science, like you're doing is brilliant because you're like, you know, the business stuff. Okay. There's probably some things you don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> come on, like you're running your own tech startup. You've got like what, six, seven people on your staff that are mostly, you know, older than you. Right. So you, you're getting that education so that you don't really need that. And, and, and the stuff they teach you in business school, because I have an MBA too, it's not that relevant. It's only relevant in the sense that it gives you a model for how to like analyze things. Other than that, it's like just you're doing yeah. your, your best education <laughs> is running your company. But I think the thing that's really cool, and yeah, this is something to really think about is am I improving my skill stack at college? for things that I'm going to need in the future that I can't really do now. Like you're not going to go out and program for now. Like you probably won't do that right away. And it actually is a really good idea to get the fundamentals of computer science and data analytics. I'd say data science is probably going to be something that you're really going to be like, that's going to be your skill stack that you're just going to, that's going to take off yeah. like data science related to finance and then just some minor computer science. So you understand it because you're building an app. You need to know what your guys are doing, right? You're like, exactly. well, explain this to me. So that's tough because yeah, everyone will push you to be like, go, go in, go hard, go focus, you know? And you're like, well, you know, there's some things I'm learning. I'm young. I mean, you're 19. Like this is not, you just started. <laughs> like I didn't do my first startup till I was like 25. 24. So, yeah. you know, you've been doing your startup since you were 12. So interesting. And, and I also think there's a really good advantage of having alumni network, especially like Boston colleges. It's a very tight network and people have been so nice and met with me. And I think not having that is sometimes like another, like now I have that. It's like, if I'm now I'll always be a BC student, even if I maybe don't graduate. But like, I think that's something that I also like, needed to take advantage because I was always I'm I'm from Ohio and I'm in Boston yeah. but like I feel like it's super hard to I don't know being a startup in Ohio is very very hard especially a b2c startup b2b's yeah. are really the only ones that have excelled well there yeah. and so I think in order to grow I need to diversify where I am and who I know and I think um for me I think it's only been beneficial but definitely it is stressful um, doing working on gift pocket and going to school, but I've somehow managed it the last couple semesters. It's really cool. Like you should be commended for your, uh, what's the word? It's the word I'm looking for, like hustle and tenacity and just really the focus is good. Like 
it's so interesting because you hear of a lot of people that are like college is a waste of time and money because I've got my own startup. I'll just go take a coding course or whatever. And what they fail to realize is exactly what you realized. The network, the diversity of thought, you're in a different spot. You get to learn all these things. And I know I personally did not take advantage of my college network. I was too engineering is just this thing where you're just like constantly doing stuff, but I Mm -hmm. never like made the connections to those folks. Now I still talk to some of them, but a lot of them, like, you know, San Jose state where I went, it's a huge engineering school. They hire like all the, you know, every one of the Google, Facebook, all those guys, they, 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 they hire people like crazy from there. And yeah, I should have spent more time like networking there because I think you're right. Like the, the network is really critical and getting that network for the, for either gift pocket or the next thing or the next thing or the next thing is just laying down that foundation. Yeah. The only thing is, can can you handle all the workload? I love it. Like, yeah, my side hustle is college. What college is your side hustle? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely think, um, like I just saw so how my, my schedule is this year is I have all my classes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and I have one class on Wednesday. So I'm just like overloaded so that I can like have four day weekends and use that time just to fully dedicate myself to gift pocket. And I feel like that's honestly been helpful because I still have time to work on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but like giving myself full days, to like dedicate to gift pocket has really helped. And, um, and also too, like I've hired interns for gift pocket from Boston college cool. and like, and so I think by having that like network, like, uh, and people just meeting people in my classes, I participate in Boston college's pitch competition. I won that I participate in their um, accelerator program. And by being able to do that kind of stuff, it just, it's, I think it's only been beneficial, but the hardest thing about Boston college, I love it, but their entrepreneurship program is like so close to being amazing, but not there yet. Yep. And so hopefully one day I can, uh, help with that long term. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I mean, again, that's the other thing, right? Like how do we make more how do we make more brooks? That's that's our goal in the world, honestly, because I think what we're starting to come to realize in the world is that entrepreneurship's really going to be the only way we're going to solve some of these problems. Big government's not going to do it. Nonprofits are not going to do it. It's actually really going to be this thing called forced sector capitalism, which is the convolution or the the Venn diagram of all these things coming together. And the people that are going to drive that are going to be your generation. People like you are going to figure out these things for their community because a lot of times, you know, the older generation, so you've got the, you know, the boomers, then you got Gen X, which is me, then you got millennials. And then I think you're you're almost Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. Gen, Gen Z is really facing this dilemma. They're like, look around the world. They're like, well, boomers, you screwed things up. Millennials are out of control. They have no clue what they're doing. And you got Gen X or guys like me who hate both of them. <laughs> like, ah, you idiots. Yeah. You, know? you know, my, my seminal moment in the world is like our movie is dazed and confused, right? Like that's, you know, just smoke pot all day or whatever. Right. So Gen Z, right. Your generation's got to sit down and go, okay, well, how do I fix this mess? Because it's a mess. And I think it's going to be people like you who realize that the entrepreneur journey and being a little more open to different ways of of doing things. And like, you have a really good like mix of it. I think it's a, this is the thing that I found very fascinating. Just, you know, briefly talking to you. 
very pragmatic. Not a lot of pragmatic millennials or even boomers. I mean, Gen Xers have to be pragmatic by, by default because people like were smashed in between. But this pragmatism is like, we're going to go figure out how to fix it instead of complaining about it, which we need more of. So I'm so glad that you're like trying to figure out even how to make Boston College's entrepreneurship. <laughs> I love that. Hey, Dean, you better listen yeah. to her. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> I mean, I think the, I think the hardest thing is like, well, so well, Boston College, we don't really have a strong computer science program. We're building a new building and that will definitely help with it. But how it really works is that there's a lot of great ideas but we don't have really good computer science students to line them up with to develop the app, or we don't have the funding to line them up with a development team. And so I think like I was last year in the um, accelerator program and I happened to be fortunate enough to have like gift pocket already built and my like idea pretty strong, but some of these people like needed like full-time coders because like to code their app, like you really can't be like in college or you get like no sleep or something like that. And so I think like, like there just needs to be like a like help to like get those companies off the ground. And that just comes with more funding, more connections, more um, just more skills that are taught. And sometimes though, those computer science students that are really good at certain schools already come into those colleges. Well, like knowing what to do. So like, how do you get more of those students to come to like that school? Yeah. Boston college isn't known for computer science. Or it's more no, like it, media and communications, right? Or am I? It's mis- known for its business school. I guess it's like a school. business school. Okay, cool. Yeah, I interviewed the dean of Marymount's Business Innovation Leadership and Technology College. This guy named Jonathan. Um, great guy. Super like gets it. He literally took the design school, the business school, and the computer science school, and whoosh, merged them all together at Marymount. Oh wow! I mean. Super interesting idea because he's like, look, the world is going to need people that know all this stuff. You don't need to be an expert in everything. But I think to your point, what you've probably learned throughout your seven year, 10 years as CEO, this blows my mind. I'm sorry. It just blows my mind that there's a, there's this like skill stack, talent stack. There's a diversity of people that you need to pull together, but you still got to know like what good design is. Is, am, I, am I really selecting the right platform for my app and what's the business implication? So yeah, he's, he's, he's crushing it over there. I mean, they just started, I think a year ago and boy, he also runs an accelerator fund. I think, yeah, he runs a venture fund. He's do, he does so many things. He's a great guy. I actually interviewed him. It's about to drop in a couple of weeks. Um, but I was so impressed by like, Oh, wow, that's like 21st century thinking of not just a silo of business, not just a silo of tech, not just a silo of design, Mm -hmm. but the interface of them all. And I'm curious if you're seeing that as well. I mean, you've probably had to learn a lot about business like pretty quick and design and and tech and all that. Yeah, no, that's like the, I think the hardest thing about being a founder and like, like I, I wear so many different hats. Like I, right now we're raising money. So like I'm one day I'm raising money the next day I'm wireframing a new feature of the app. The next day I'm working on marketing. The next day I'm analyzing our financial models. The next day I might be meeting with a patent lawyer. So we're trying to patent something. So it's like a lot, but like, obviously I love it because no day is, the, day is the same, but it is definitely hard when like you want to just give yourself all into one thing, but then you're like, oh shoot, like I had this other thing has to get done before that. And then 
before you know and so sometimes it's definitely challenging because we have like um rep- like someone runs brands some uh, we were also meeting with brands right now so like and everyone's like you do this this like yes i can do it but like i have to get this thing done first so i think yeah the but I also yeah. yeah but that's not why we also hired interns so i can start delegating and just be able to prioritize my time as best uh useful for gift bucket what what's it like to hire an intern <laughs> as an intern age i mean you know that's pretty cool like what how's that i think i think the thing is is like i like i don't like like technically like i'm quote unquote in charge but like i think the whole point of like hiring a team is to make it a collaborative experience if if i wanted just my ideas to be the only ideas then i would have done this alone but i think the whole point is to bring people on the team that you know that they can add value or that they can use this experience to grow as a person and be creative and so obviously like the people are like some of them are actually my friends or like people i know well but like so that's why like for example our marketing person like our marketing manager is managing her but also i'll be on those conversations so that like it's a good balance of like that i'm not like fully like in charge of my friend but also i'm able to collaborate in the conversation and like okay that's good or that's bad but like making it like a a whole collaborative like i want it to be a a good as I say, good workspace or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Collaborative workspace, etc. Yeah. How are you guys raising money? So we're raising a 500k convertible debt round. So um, I mean, we're take we'll take VCs or um, angels or fa- friends and family, but it's definitely a, a unique experience trying to raise money as a 19 year old female. It's it, I mean, you, you are, you're like the 1% of the 1%. And if you were minority, then you'd be the 1% of that. So yeah, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty out there on the, when it comes to the spectrum, like not, not, to, you know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah. And then put me in the Midwest. Like, yeah. No, <laughs> boom. Are like, you, are, have you thought about raising money like on crowdfunding sites and stuff or. So I've, I've thought about that, but isn't like crowdfunding, like you have to like, like it's like you advertise it to your social network and then they invest. So it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about crowdfunding. We've definitely considered it, but um, I think it's so new and unique and um, I don't know, but I definitely think there's pros and cons to it. I just need to look into it further. And if it comes crunch time that we really need money, then we might do that. Well, there's um there's a, there's a company, great company called Republic that does it. Yeah, I met with them. Yeah, equity craft. I know uh, Sharina over there, Sharina Karani, who's awesome. I I think they do more seed and series A rounds. That's why. um, Yeah, but you're, you know, 500K is 500K convertible safe note, probably. You know, that's friends and family, series seed, early seed. You could pull that into a round. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a lot of other folk, you know, just super angels. I'm sure you've looked at angels list and all that, which is another good way to go but uh yeah it's it is interesting raising money huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's experience just, <laughs> i think it's um i'm definitely learning a lot i think the thing is is like meeting with the the right people is is really important it's just hard because um i didn't know at first we thought it was a seed round but the definition of seed has changed to like a million or two million dollars when like it yeah. used to not be that big. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's whatever. Like, don't. The, the thing about raising money is like, raise what you need to get to the next milestone. So 
if you've already got good, you know, monthly recurring revenue, things are like looking okay. Now you're like, okay, I need to get to a, a valuation of whatever. So typical series seed round is 500K to 1.5, 1.1 million roughly, right? You need to use that money to get to series A, which means you've got to double your valuation to the next round. So you're probably worth three, three and a half million pre, maybe four, depending on your revs. You need that money to get to an evaluation of eight to 10 so that you can raise double your seed, right? It's, exactly. it's all, it's all this weird, weird, it's weird VC. Model. It's a game. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a total game. So. And it's yeah. the worst thing is, oh, I don't write the first check, but if you get another check, I will write. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but I need the first check to get more checks. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, That's wow. Why. How many times have I heard that? <laughs> That's why one day I will be an angel investor and I want to be a better one. But that's the hardest thing too, is like, I'm not going to be like trying to be rude, but a lot of investors that I met with that are like, quote unquote, minority or like women investors, like I don't even see them writing a lot of checks or the whole BS of like, oh yeah, like we're taking like, like a fund being like, oh, we're like, we're taking like applications, but they've only closed like 5 million of their $50 million round. I'm like, why are you take and they can't write checks yet i'm like right. that why are you putting yourself out there if you can't write checks yet yeah. i think i feel like i don't know i like i don't know that like at least, at least from my perspective that'd be overwhelming to have you know 500 applications to get give money to to write checks to but you still have 45 million dollars to raise but yeah, yeah they, it's a weird game i mean it's a weird game i mean just to put it in perspective and i've, I've talked to people about venture capital math before so and in fact, there was this guy, Zach Stern, who was on the show, and he he has an app called Official for Couples. It's like he solved the problem with, oh, if, if you're on a dating app, as soon as you find someone, you're no longer on the dating app, right? Now what? And so he's like, well, I want to build an app for couples so they can learn to be more intimate and, you know, like build their relationship, right? And he used to be a, a, an associate at a venture firm. And so we're talking shop about, well, how many deals have you did you see? And so typical associate may see a thousand to 2000 deals a year. They'll only present 200 to the, you know, staff, right. They'll probably do due diligence on 20 and then they'll probably fund too. Right. So that's what 0.1% or something, some crazy it's number. Crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's nothing personal. It's just, they know the math. So venture capitalists are really not, they're very risk adverse people. They just know that if they delay enough and if they spread out the risk enough, they'll be successful. It's, it's a numbers game. So yeah, one of the best, best um, things I learned about fundraising was from someone called Elizabeth Yin over at the hustle fund, which you should probably talk to her. She's great. I met her in person in Ohio. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. Right. But funny story. The reason I got to meet her was because of my late wife, Jane, whose maiden name was Yin, Elizabeth Yin, Jane Yin. And she literally, Jane reached out to Elizabeth and said, hey, I'd love to meet you. And they had coffee. <laughs> and, then, and then she's like, hey, my husband my, or my fiance, or I think we were fiancés at the time. She's like, hey, he's got this startup and he was, wants to apply. To, she was at 500 startups at the time. She wants to apply to 500 startups. And she's like, yeah, I'll meet with him. <laughs> so I meet with her. And within a week, I'm in 500 startups. It's like, wow, this is so cool. So you've already oh met Elizabeth. God. Awesome. She's great. Yeah, she's got a great like mentality about raising money. Um, she thinks of it as a B2B sales process, which I'm sure she's talked with you about or you've probably read about. Um, 
and it works. Her, hers is you got to full time do it, and you got to just. It's like you got to hear a lot of no's. Yeah. But yes, it's, it's a long no process, but I believe like I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. So mm. I think every no leads you closer to a yes. Yeah, it's a great attitude to have. So, what what do you think? would be some of the questions that you would have, like if say it, say as an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur, up and coming entrepreneur is listening to this, what are some of the questions they should ask themselves to see if this is actually the thing that they should be doing? I think the two questions I would say to ask yourself, is it worth it? And are you passionate about your idea? Because if you're not passionate about your idea and you're not willing to go through the whole process of being an entrepreneur, because it's very unlikely that your product or your service or whatever you're doing is going to go viral overnight. Are you willing to be proud of your product on the worst day and on the best day? And are you willing to stand by it and stick through it? And I think that is what I would, I would ask someone or have that person ask themselves because it's hard. Is it worth it? Hell yeah, it's worth it. But every, I mean, every day is a different journey. And I feel like seven years like I feel like every I feel like gift pocket is a new company in my eyes so like that's why it do, it doesn't feel like that long but if I knew when I was like coming up with the idea of gift pocket I was signing up for a seven year gig and it, it's still you know still not an easy process what would I have done that I don't know and so I think but maybe sometimes the the, the unknown is helpful because then you don't really know what you're signing up for. <laughs> it's but, ignorant. You're like, wow, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. I love it. Yeah. Sometimes but, you yeah. don't want to know. <laughs> it's like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to beep up along until, well, you know, Brooke, it's been it's such a great, uh, great conversation. I mean, I really appreciate you have taken the time talking to me about gift pocket, your journey, boy, a lot of great nuggets of wisdom here. I mean, you embody to a certain degree, the ethos of trying to help, help people solve problems and kind of that next generation, what that next generation needs to do to really, you know, get us out of some of these messes that we're in. So thanks for your time. I appreciate it. One one day when I'm rich, I hopefully will be able to just help a lot of people. And that's my goal. That's, that's great. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks, Brooke, for being on the show. <laughs> you're quite the inspiration. I mean, been an entrepreneur since you've been 12. Wow, that's insane. But I uh, really appreciate your uh, insights, even though you haven't been at it very long. You've been at it longer than, well, longer than most. <laughs> so um, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Brooke. Be open to trying new things. If your parents encourage you to do something, then try, give it a try. Even if that thing doesn't end up being something you're interested in, you'll never know until you try. When Brooke entered into the entrepreneurship, you know, academy, um, I mean, it may have been inevitable, but she still needed to see if she liked it. But it was her mother who pushed her to try out for that academy. And that was the jumping off point for Gift Pocket. So, I mean, you know, we all have preconceived notions of what we want to do and what we can do and what we can't do. And sometimes, you know, people gently push us in the right direction. It's always good to try new things. So, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad Brooke, you did try something. While your ideas need to be a solution that solves a problem, it's imperative that it be something that you're passionate about because you don't know how long it might 
take to work everything out. Make sure it's something you can feel proud of and that you're proud to be part of. Um, we hear this all the time, right? I mean, these things take forever. I mean, she's been working on Give Pocket for seven years, still, still trying to make it happen. So um, sometimes it takes a long time and you just got to enjoy what you're doing. I think someone said you have to fall in love with your problem. So clearly she's fallen in love with solving this gift card problem. Brooke's attitude is every no leads to a yes. She believes that things are always working out for the best and doesn't see no's as failures. And I mean, this is a pretty astute and very wise <laughs> you know, mindset to have, clearly being this young. I mean, I think all of us, even us older uh, entrepreneurs have a problem with this. It's just such a tough, challenging time sometimes to hear no after no after no after no, but that's a great attitude to have. Um, every no leads to a yes. So there you have it. Those are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Brooke. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com